Good morning, Anastasia Church. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you all this morning. Why don't you stand up? We're going to praise our Lord together. I am my father's dream. He only looks on me with pride. Always so kind to me. He says I'm perfect in his eyes. So why should I ever doubt? He won't ever change his mind. Yeah. Come on, tell him who he is. You're only ever good, only ever good. You're only ever good to me. You're only ever good, only ever good. Only ever good to me. That's all you've ever been. That's all you're gonna be Only ever good, only ever good Only ever good to Hey!
2 Corinthians chapter 9. We read uh, this verse. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Church, do you believe that God is able this morning? He is able. So let's worship Him in this place. Give Him glory and praise. Our God is able.
was a moment when the lights went out Sing us together When death claimed his victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history
just praise Him with our hands. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, our God is faithful. Amen. Amen and amen. Will you guys welcome each other this morning before you sit down? and I have the pleasure of serving as a women's ministry intern here. Um, we would love to connect with you this morning, whether you've been coming here a while or whether you're, it's your first time here. Um, there's a couple ways that you can connect with us. The first way is to text the word CONNECT to 904-441-6900. That'll allow you to fill out a digital connect card where you can submit prayer requests and just tell us a little bit about you so that we can connect with you. The second way is to visit our welcome desk either at either end of the atrium where there'll be someone there to connect with you um, and be there to pray with you or to answer any questions or concerns that you might have. I'm going to turn it over to Brandon, our, worship, our production pastor, for some announcements. I don't even know what my announcements are. <laughs> um, so our first announcement, parents, we have a child dedication next week, but it is full, which is a great thing. But if you were like, ooh, I was really wanting to get in on that, we will have another one. You can go ahead and email Becky um, and get on the list to be notified on our next one. So you can email her at becky.y at anastasiachurch.org. All right, ladies, on November 5th, we have our Christ and our, as our, se- our Hope in Every Season of Life event. We have tickets on sale out in the atrium. If you're interested in coming, they're $15. Um, so just if you're interested in going, go ahead and visit us out on the atrium uh, by the sanctuary and we will have tickets for you. We also have Operation Christmas Child going on. Um, that'll be, that's a great mission for you guys to get involved in and serve um, and fill some shoe boxes out. Um, those will be due on November 13th. Um, so if you're interested in doing one, just um, know that they're due November 13th. It's a great, great, cool thing to do for our community. All right, and I have a kind of sad announcement, and that is that this year we will not be doing trunk or treat. Just with the construction process, it just was not really going to be able to happen. We still don't have lights in the back parking lot that work. Um, So being able to manage the thousands of people that would come on campus for that, it just wasn't going to work out. Um, So we're not going to have trunk or treat here this week. There are lots of things going going on in town, um, and State Road 16 is also doing a trunk or treat and so is Elkton. So we're still trying to impact our communities. We just can't do it here at this campus this year. And finally, I have one more announcement ask. Um, you guys have seen we have broken ground. We are moving forward with our building project. And with that comes a cost. Um, and that is we are looking at $3 million that need to come in before we finish the construction so that we can close our loan. Um, So what I'm asking for is, look, can you give generously? Can we move forward with this? Because that's how we're going to be able to furnish this building. That's how we're going to be able to finish off its drywall and make it to where we can actually move in and use this building. So I know, I know, I know that it is a big ask, but I know that our God is faithful. And I know that we can do this together. So pray through it think, what can I give? What can I do to help our church accomplish the mission that God has given us? Let's pray. 
Dear God, just thank you for today. Thank you um, that we can come and be a part of your mission to impact St. Augustine, to impact the world for you and for your cause. Um, so I pray that, that as we give our tithes and our offerings, that you will take them, you will bless them, you will multiply them, and that you will continue to use our church to do good and continue to use our church to accomplish your mission. Thank you that we can come and be a part of that with you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Oh, it's good to see you this morning. And uh, how about a little bit of cool air uh, in St. Augustine right now? Anybody enjoying a little bit of uh, Florida fall, right? <laughs> we saw in the 60s a little bit here, right? Well, hey, welcome this morning. We're grateful that you're here. Uh, we're continuing our series called 517. We're specifically looking at the things God did in the past and the things that he continues to do and will continue to do in the future. And we're looking at his characteristics, his faithfulness, his uh, promises, his goodness. And we've been kind of storying through the Bible and looking at different aspects of who God is. And mostly we've been spending our time in the Old Testament. And so today we're going we're gonna to end up in the New Testament. And we're really going to look at the idea of the incarnation, right? Jesus coming from heaven to earth and putting on humanity. And we're gonna look at the implications of the incarnation. But you know, many of us, tomorrow is Monday, unfortunately. I hate to break the news, right? Tomorrow is Monday, and many of us are gonna to have to go to work tomorrow, right? I'm a Debbie Downer, right? Um, and, and so uh, we're gonna to have to go to work, and a lot of us, as we go to work, there is work attire that we put on, right? We have work clothes. Maybe for some of us, it's a uniform, uh, maybe some of us work in law enforcement or some of us work in uh, fire rescue. And so there's a specific uniform that we have. Maybe some of us are in the medical industry and so we have to wear scrubs or uh, a doctor's white coat. Or maybe some of us work in the construction industry and so we have to put on a hard hat and, uh, and boots as we prepare to go to work. And, uh, you know, there are implications of the attire that we wear, right? Some of those implications are that when we put on that, that work attire, it's so that we can be visible to those around us, so that they can identify that we work. Or some of it may be to help us complete our job. Some of it may to keep us safe. But whatever the reason, most of us will have to put on some time of work attire. So there's a season in my life where I had a work uniform. I was at Flagler College. And we have any Flagler alum in here? Go Saints? All right, a few maybe. Okay, all right. <laughs> so I was at Flagler College, and I was going to school, and I waited tables at a little seafood restaurant called Barnacle Bills downtown. I may have waited on you before. Um, and so all throughout college, that's where I served, and I had a, a work attire that I had to do. I had uh, to put on um, this, this certain set of clothes. I had a pair of khakis and shoes, and then I had this blue Barnacle Bills polo shirt that I had to wear that was itchy and uncomfortable and did not fit me right, right? And so I had to wear this attire, and, and what was worse about it, as the more that I waited tables at a seafood restaurant, it was great for the job, the more that that shirt smelled like fried shrimp. No matter how many times I washed it, no matter how many times I put extra, you know, laundry detergent in there, it always smelled like fried shrimp. And I got to the point when I was waiting tables, I, I disliked putting on that shirt because it smelled so bad. And so I, I did, I, I Waited tables all throughout college, and then my last day, my last shift, I, I, I literally threw that shirt away because um, I was so glad to get rid of it. But there was a season in my life where I had work attire. I had, I had to put on a uniform uh, throughout my time waiting tables. Many of us may do the same. When we talk about the incarnation, we talk about it, the fullness of time, as we're going to read, that God had ordained a moment in which he would send his only son from heaven to earth 
it says that God the Father asked him to put on something. And that thing that he had to put on was, in fact, humanity. It says the incarnate. He had to physically put on flesh. This is known as the incarnation of God. It is when the presence of God was embodied in man. See, throughout the Old Testament, we saw the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. And he carried with the people. We saw that the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. But now the presence of God was encapsulated in the humanity of a baby. Jesus put on flesh. And not that he was fully man or just fully God. He was fully God and fully man at the same time. And he was miraculously born to a virgin in a stable in Bethlehem. This is the mystery, that Jesus could be all divine and all yet human. Be different from man, but yet one in the same. Jesus was, in fact, fully God and fully man. The famous theologian Charles Spurgeon said many years ago, he said this about the incarnation. Infinite and yet infant. Eternal and yet born of a woman. Almighty and yet nursing. Supporting a universe and yet needing to be carried in a mother's arms. Heir of all things and yet the carpenter the carpenter's despised son. This is the incarnation. That Jesus would physically leave heaven and come to earth putting on flesh, putting on humanity, not to serve his own purpose, but to serve the will of the Father and thus forth living out the mission that God had called him to go to the cross. You know, as I think about the time that I spent wearing that blue polo shirt that was so uncomfortable and itchy and, and it didn't fit me right, it doesn't even compare to what it must have been like for Jesus to leave the perfection of heaven at God's right hand and come down and put on humanity and flesh. From the moment that he stepped in to the mission, to stepped in on this foot on this earth, he experienced the pain and the suffering that comes along with humanity. He experienced the uncomfortableness, the hurt, the sorrow, the challenges. When he put on humanity, he experienced those things. So this morning, I, I want to focus on four characteristics of God revealed in Christ's incarnation. Four characteristics of God revealed in Christ's incarnation. But we're going to read first Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. And if you are able to this morning, would you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Four characteristics of God revealed in Christ's incarnation. The first thing you can write down is redemptive. Characteristic of God that we see in Christ's incarnation is his redemptive nature and plan. It says in, in the scriptures, one of the first things it says, when the fullness of time had come. See, Jesus came at the authority at the time that the Father had ordained for him to come. In other words, God's plan for humanity has always been for our redemption through Jesus Christ. His plan, his perfect plan. God in the beginning had a plan, and it included 
mine and yours for redemption. Amen? Amen? Through Jesus. Now, listen, how many of you in here are planners? You are planners. Come on, raise your hand. If you're a planner, you, like, you have a day timer and you like to plan out your hours of your day with little check boxes. Anybody? I see some people laughing, right? <laughs> Anybody planners? You like to plan it out maybe to the hour of what you're going to do. You like to know what's going to happen ahead of time. You need an agenda. You need a schedule. Okay, I appreciate you guys. Now, how many of you are like, let's just go with the flow? <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what the day brings, right? We're, we're going to react as it comes, right? I, I'm a little bit in between. I, I like to have a plan, but I also like just to go with the flow sometimes. But can I tell you that I appreciate that the God of the universe, the one who has created and made you and me, he has a plan. And he has had a plan from the beginning of time, and it included our redemption. That's the God we serve. And here in Scripture, we're seeing that God says that it, it, the fullness of time, the time that he had set aside, the time that he ordained, he sent his son Jesus to come and to walk on this earth, to become incarnate, to put on flesh, and to serve his purpose of bringing the hope of salvation to all of humanity. He's redemptive. That's a characteristic that we see of God. I, I love what John chapter 1, 1 through 14 says. I want to read just some bits and pieces of it. It says, in the beginning, this is verse 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. See, since the beginning of time, God the Son, Jesus, was working in unison with God the Father to create, to redeem uh, to bring light and life to humanity. As we've been storing through the Bible, this is a, repeat, a repetitive theme that we see over and over and over again. God comes to redeem. He comes to bring light in the midst of the darkness. And when God shines his light so brightly in humanity, there is no darkness in the past, in the present, or the future that can overcome it. His light is greater than the darkness that is in the world. How would the God of the universe share the good news of the hope of salvation in Jesus? Would he, would he write a letter? Would he send a message? Would he make a phone call? Would we send a representative? No, the God of the universe would tell all of humanity of his hope and redemptive plan for man by sending his son in person to walk this earth, walking among us ministering and caring and sharing the truth of salvation in his work on the cross. The plan for God and his son was to physically come and live among us, to literally dwell among his people, to live, to love, to be joyous, to hurt, to celebrate, to suffer, and ultimately die for humanity. The eternal son of God from the beginning knew he was to become incarnate. He was to put on flesh so that we could see the fullness of his glory. John chapter 1, verse 14 goes on to say this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, and glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So much of the incarnation of Christ, of him physically coming, was an example for all of humanity. 
Why did Jesus come to the earth to pay for our sins and to offer us forgiveness? It was because God wanted us to know the depth of his love and his mercy for us. To think that Jesus would leave heaven and come into humanity to suffer for our sake and so that the whole world could see his desire and his love for us. That passage of scripture in 14 says that we have seen his glory and the glory of only the son from the father. When we see Jesus's life, when we see his humility, when we see his sacrifice and how he lived his life, we can see the fullness of God's love for us. He wanted his life to be an example of how we should live. He wanted us to know that our sin and our brokenness cost both God and us something. Jesus put his labor of love on display for all the world to see. You know, I think something, as we think about this, something that we take for granted each and every week is that you and I, we can run to the grocery store just down the street, and we can go to the produce section, and we can get a a, a fully ripe apple, or we can go get a, a squash that's ready to eat, or we can go get a watermelon that's been fully grown, right? And for many of us, we didn't watch that fruit grow or mature. We didn't nurture it. We didn't water it. We didn't fertilize it. We didn't take care of it. We just get to go to the store. We get the, the, la- the fruit of the labor, right? But we didn't see the labor of the fruit, right? We get to see those things. We get to have them. But I, I guarantee you, if, if we had taken the time to water and to grow and to nurture that fruit until it was fully mature, boy, we would have a greater appreciation for it, wouldn't we? <laughs> I grew up in an agricultural community, and I, I watched farmers and the toil and the heartache and the difficulty it was to grow. I think as we talk about Christ, we don't just see the fruit of the labor. We see the labor of the fruit. Jesus walking on this earth, we saw him suffer and struggle for our sake because he wanted us to know that our salvation, although it is free to us, it was not without cost. It cost Jesus his life. But in the beginning, Jesus knew the plan of the Father, and it was for our redemption. The second thing you can write down is we see that one of the characteristics of God is empathetic, right? He has empathy over us. Our our passage in Galatians says he was born of a woman and born under the law. An implication of the incarnation was that Jesus in the flesh was able to reveal that he was God not distant from the hurts and the struggles of humanity, but he was near to them. In fact, he, he suffered the same things, right? He was born of a woman and born under the law. You know what separates Christianity from so many, I would say all other religions and religious figures and texts? Is Christianity is the only one that we see a God who physically took on flesh and dwelt among his people. He came to us. God came to us in the flesh. No other religion, no other religious figure dwelt among his people like Christ did. Boy, it speaks to the God that we serve, that he dwelt among us. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says this. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every aspect who has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you know that what you experience in life, the joys, the pains, the sorrows, Jesus also experienced those as he walked this earth. And so we don't have a savior 
that is unable to sympathize or empathize with us when we have struggles and we have difficult days because he also experienced those days, but yet he was perfect without sin. I, I, I was thinking about this other day. I, I, I had a cold a couple months ago and I was, had a sore throat and I was coughing and I was laying on the couch and just kind of just being there. I didn't feel great. And, and my son was upstairs playing and I could hear him just having a grand old time and I'm just laying out on the couch. And my son comes downstairs and he sees me laying on the couch. He says, what's wrong, dad? I said, you know, I got a sore throat and I'm coughing a little bit. I don't really feel great. I'm just, just tired. And a few minutes went by and all of a sudden I could hear him start to make a little fake cough. <laughs> he says, you know, dad, I'm not feeling good either. My throat hurts and I got a bad cough and he laid down next to me. <laughs> You know, even at a young age, we know what empathy is. We know what it means to care for others and to care for their pains and their burdens even when they are not our own. Jesus, as he came and walked this earth, it was not his brokenness. It was not his sin that he carried to the cross. It was mine. It was ours. Jesus went to the cross, carrying and understanding and having empathy over our need for a Savior. And he went to the cross for us. This is the Savior that we serve. He empathized with us. He carried our burden for us. And, you know, I think as we look at Christ's leadership, it's an exampleship, right? Not only should, uh, not only is Christ redemptive, not only is God empathetic, or characteristics that God is calling us to have in our lives. We're supposed to build up and encourage and share the gospel to redeem others, redeem our time. We're supposed to have empathy and share uh, other people's burdens as the body of Christ. Not only is these embodied in Christ, but they are examples for us to follow. Third thing that you can write down this morning, third characteristic is relational. Jesus' incarnation reveals a characteristic of God that he is relational. In our passage in Galatians, he says this. He says, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. What an incredible truth about Jesus' ministry, that his desire, that his ministry was all about relationships. I mean, if you look at the, the time period of Jesus' ministry, he was constantly with his disciples. He was constantly ministering. Those who were sick and broken and hurting, and, and he built relationships with the people he cared for. Do you realize that all that Jesus endured and went to the cross and suffered for was that so that we might enter into relationship with our Heavenly Father? And through that relationship that we might have eternal life. That was God's desire in sending his son that we might be in relationship with him. Jesus endured the cross so that we might be in relationship what a privilege. His death was for our adoption so that we might become sons and daughters of the king. You know, I, I think about sometimes uh, a mission statement, right? Uh, we see a lot of companies and a lot of big organizations, they have a mission statement, they have a vision statement, they have core values, they have, uh, you know, a five-year goal. And, you know, like our, our mission statement here is helping people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus. That's, that's our why. That's why we, you know, we do the things that we do. We have the ministries. We have the worship time. It's because we want people to know the life-changing truth of Jesus. That's our why. And any good mission statement says that, you know, or basically should share with people your why or why you do something. And, and I, as I think about, you know, wonder what 
you know, we don't have it laid out in, in plain sight in Scripture like Jesus' mission statement was or Jesus' five-year vision plan or Jesus' vision statement. Like, we don't have that written out, but I think if we look at Jesus' life closely enough that we can see Jesus' why, right? And, and I think it's even laid out in Scripture. In, in John chapter 17, verse 1 through 4, it says this. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. This is one of the last prayers before Christ was crucified. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given. Listen to this, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent, glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, in my mind as I read that, this is Sam's commentary, okay? As I read this, and I think about verbalizing what Jesus' why each and every day was. I think about as Jesus came in contact with the disciples, as Jesus came in contact with those who he ministered to. Jesus' why, I think he says it right there, that they may know you. That they may know the Father. And through that relationship with the Father, that they may know eternal life through the Son, Jesus. I think that as he saw people walking by, I mean, this is prayer, that was his desire, that they may know you. That they may know the Heavenly Father. That, that was his why each and every day. And I pray that our why each and every day as we get up out of bed and we go to work and we see people, that our prayer would be similar, that they would know our Heavenly Father. And they would know the salvation that rests and lies in him through a relationship with Jesus Christ, his son. That's the why. Fourth thing that you can write down as we see characteristic incarnation is sacrificial. Jesus said in Galatians, so that they are, or Paul writes in Galatians, that so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. Jesus, from the moment that he stepped forward, foot on earth till the time he took his last breath on the cross, experienced suffering. I mean, leaving heaven to come to earth was an act of suffering. And then from the moment that he lived on this earth and was persecuted and, and, and faced the trials of humanity till the time he took his last breath, it was a series of time in which he sacrificed everything for our behalf. Philippians talks about it in Philippians 2.6. He says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. From the time when Jesus stepped foot on this earth, it became this period in which he emptied himself, and he gave everything. Not that he lost his authority, not that he lost his Godhead, but that he gave everything. The word there in the Greek is kenosis, that it, he emptied himself. He gave fully of himself to become obedient to death on the cross. The emptying was not finished when he entered this earth. The emptying was when he died on the cross. And at that point, there was nothing left that he could give. Think about Jesus going to the cross. And it wasn't like he left just a little bit left. He had a little bit left in the tank. No, no, God, the Son, gave everything. He gave it all for you and me. That we might know the Father, 
that we might know eternal life, that our sins might be forgiven, that our, we might know grace, that our hurts would be healed, that we would have everlasting life in heaven with Jesus. Last scripture I'll leave you with is John, Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. And I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they must listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Jesus said that he had others in his flock, others that he cared for, others that he loved needed to hear his voice. Right now, right here, we are in this room, in this moment. Some of you may need to hear from Jesus this morning. Can I tell you, he emptied himself and he gave it all so that you might know the Father and the redemption that comes through Christ. So this morning, maybe, maybe you're going through a difficult season in your life and you just need to hear from Jesus. Maybe this moment in the quietness of this moment, this invitation that you just quiet your life and you say, Jesus, I'm here. You speak. You speak, Lord. And my prayer that as you open your heart, as you surrender, and you consider the work of the cross, that you would hear Jesus speak to you in a mighty and profound way this morning. Jesus is calling. Will you answer? Will you listen? Will you be obedient to his voice this morning? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. God, we, uh, we want to give you honor and praise this morning that, God, you, you humbled yourself to the point of servanthood and, and coming to this earth and putting on humanity, becoming incarnate, putting on flesh, and thus carrying the burdens of the flesh to bear our pain, to bear our sin, to bear our suffering so that we might experience life. For some of us in here, maybe this, this morning at this time of invitation, God, we just need to, we need to pray. God, maybe we need to open our heart for you and to your forgiveness, Lord, and maybe for the first time to receive you. And maybe for some of us, we need to lay down some burdens that we've been carrying. God, how you're speaking to us this morning, I pray that we would respond. And God, that you would move among us. God, we wanna give you all glory. We wanna give you all thanks power of the work that you accomplished on the cross. And we worship you, God. We give you glory. We give you honor that you sacrificed, that you gave it all, that you emptied yourself for our sake. So God, we worship you this morning. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship. If God's calling you, I'll be here this morning. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you. You come as God is leading. You come.
life group to come up and the Sisters of Hope Ministry. Y'all come up here just for a minute. And we're just going to pray over you guys here in just a minute. Um, we have two different groups that are stepping out in faith, and I so appreciate it. Y'all come over here so everybody can see y'all. Our, our Sisters of Hope Ministry uh, is a group of ladies who have taken time to do training uh, but want to walk in mentorship and discipleship with other ladies uh, in need. And so they're stepping out. Their ministry is just starting. And so we're really excited for them. Appreciate uh, they're going to be doing some coaching and, and helping people in time of need. And so uh, we want to pray for them. Uh, no, but before I pray for both these groups, I want our, our uh, silent warriors, if you guys will come up as well. We have a new life group starting. And this is our first ever, my understanding, first ever life group to minister to deaf. And so we're really excited for them to kick off. Our silent warriors are over there and we're really excited. Uh, for them to get going. Um, but as they step out in obedience, we wanna pray for them and uplift them and stand behind them, right church? And so um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray over our Sisters of Hope and then I'm gonna walk down and I'm gonna pray over our silent warriors as they start, all right? So will you join me and pray? And as we pray, will you lift up your hands just as an act of we're praying over them? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the Sisters of Hope ministry, Lord, and just pray blessings over them. I pray that you would use them in a mighty way for your name and for your glory, God. I thank you for these ladies who have stepped out in faith, and I pray that you would use them in power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, don't go anywhere. All right, we have our silent warriors over here. Maggie and Tina are over here, and they're stepping out in faith, and so let's pray over them as well. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this new life group that's starting. I pray for the silent warriors life group that you would use them in a powerful, mighty way for your glory and for your kingdom, Lord. We are so grateful for their faith, and God, we encourage them and we uplift them and we send them out with our blessing. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you, church. Y'all have a great Sunday.